0: In this episode of the Explore Information Security Podcast, how to make a burp extension. Welcome to the Explore Information Security Podcast where you'll learn, explore, and grow your security mindset. I am your host, Timothy D. Block. And in this episode, we will be exploring how to make a burp extension. Joining me to help answer this question is Paul Johnston, customer champion at Port Swigger. And so Paul, wrote a blog post on portswigger.net, uh, uh, their blog section on your recipe for BAP store success and this uh, was a really good post it had uh, 11 different things to consider when making an extension but I to go a little bit more into like you know how to actually make an extension and then we also did walk through the steps and, and being a customer champion he, he's one of the guys that helps manage kind of that extension approval process so we dive into that a little bit as well so if uh if, if you want to if you're interested in making extensions uh this is a good episode for you know kind of understanding from port swigger's perspective of what they're looking for also make sure to go check him out on twitter his twitter handle is paul page p-a-u-l-p-a-j uh, feedback is welcome at timothy.dblock at gmail.com or on twitter at timothy dblock i have started a new newsletter Uh, It's at the bottom of the show notes section, and the show notes will be at timothydblock.com forward slash EIS forward slash 151. And so I started by asking Paul, what is the process for submitting to the BAP store?
1: Yeah, so so everything that gets put up is manually approved. Um, So the first step um, is you need to publish your code on GitHub. Um, we decided from the start that the the backstore was going to be fully for open source extensions. Um, And then once you've published your code, um, you can just email us. It's support at portswigger.net. And we'll pick this up. There can can sometimes be a little bit of a backlog with them, um, but we'll pick this up and we'll we'll do some basic checks on it. We'll, we'll normally spin up um, a test environment and check that the, you know, the simple sort of user flows through the extension work correctly. And um, yeah, there's, there's quite a few other checks as well. And um, one thing um, I'm very keen on is making sure extensions don't expose users to any kind of security threats, because um, you know the last thing you want, if you've been hired as a security expert and you've been brought on site to this business, is for your own laptop to suffer a security breach in front of a client.
0: Right. Yeah, that's that's uh, that'd be kind of embarrassing.
1: Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I mean some things that i have caught before they'd gone out in the BAP store. Um, someone submitted an extension for testing an XML variant. It's a um, fast intercept. It's like a sort of compressed binary version of XML. Um, and they'd written this really cool extension that would, um, as messages come into BERT, would translate fast into regular XML that BERT could analyse. Um, but their first attempt at this uh, was v- vulnerable to XML external entity injection. Um, so anyway, it turned out it was a one-line fix to do this. But I think it's very important for us to have that kind of quality gate before it, we publish it.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. Have, so have you found something like after the fact that you're like, ooh, you need to go fix that or like had to rip something out of the store until they fixed it?
1: Yeah, um, th- there's only once I've had to do it. I think it, I think it happened once before, um, and there was a, there was a, a bit of debate about whether whether this was a valid security concern, because um, this extension, of the co 2 extension, um, it'll let you kick off some other security tools uh, like SQL Map, um, now. <laughs> It turned out that um, by design, some of the fields you can use in the UI. um, They're vulnerable to command injection, or maybe it's not even fair to say they're vulnerable in that they allow the user to run commands and that is by design. Um, There was a a little bit of a a bad interaction because there was also a feature that could auto-fill some of these from a request. Um, So there was this theoretical scenario where you could um, kind of send a request to the SQL map part of the CA2 extension. And if that request was malicious, and then you then hit run without checking it, then then the web page could ultimately have run um, OS commands on your laptop. Um, So there was a bit of debate about how serious it was, but... We decided this was something we thought should be fixed. Um, and and it, in fact, some relatively simple escape, he was able to fix it.
0: Yeah, that's interesting. So let's actually take a step back then to um, what is actually Burp? Because I, I realized after I asked you to come on that I haven't done an episode on like what is Burp.
1: Well, now... I'm guessing you and anyone listening to your podcast is already going to be well aware of the, the need to secure your website and to prevent security vulnerabilities. Mm-hmm. And Burp is software that helps you do that. Um, it's a particular kind of tool called an intercepting proxy. So, what you'll do is you'll set up your web browser um, to proxy through Burp, and then all the traffic you know, all the um, get requests, form posts, all the AJAX calls, image loads, all that, everything going between your browser and the web server gets sent through Burp. And then what this lets you do is you can look at every bit and byte that's gone through and you can get a, a real low level understanding um, of how the app's talking to the server. Um, now it's not, the first tool that's done this, um, I mean, prior to Burp, there was a very popular tool called WebScape that had the same basic design. Um, but what, what Burp does on top of that um, is it's got a whole range of tools for uh, doing fault injection. Um, and this starts from a fully manual repeater, where you can by hand edit requests and fire them at the server and observe the response. Um, and then there's tools like Intruder, which let you iterate through lists of payloads, sort try one after the other, and you can look down the results in a tabular form. Um, but you're still there. In that case, you're still manually interpreting the results. Um, and then if you want to go the, the whole way into automation, it's got the scanner. Uh, and this has got dozens and dozens of checks and probes that will try and trigger um, Faults in the server application just just like a hacker would. Um, and Scanner, uh, as opposed to relying on you manually looking at the output, Scanner is like a, a more automated process. So, yeah, so Burp, Burp is a tool to secure your website. And it's very much favored by experienced app pen testers, I think, because they like the flexibility that it gives you.
0: Mm-hmm yeah and, and some of the flexibility is being able to go to you know the app store and, and download some of these extensions for specific use cases
1: yeah that's right and there's the, there's extensions that are um applicable um in very in very wide range of uses as well and um, Something I found when I worked at my last tester job is and um, experienced app testers tend to have a kind of set of their favorite extensions. So every time they are getting a, a new computer and they install Burp on it, they'll, um, they'll always want to pick up, say, Active Scan Plus Plus or additional scan checks or, you know, whatever the extensions they've found in the past have given them really good results.
0: Yeah. So, so how do you actually? How does someone actually make an extension? Because these all started from someone else saying, "Well, this would be cool to do in Burp. Let me just, you know, create it." Essentially.
1: Yeah. So, um, most of the extensions are written in Java. So it will start with someone uh, creating a project uh, in in their usual IDE. Uh, we tend to use IntelliJ, but it, it, it doesn't matter which IDE you use. Um, and then BERT has this um, extension API. So you can load that into your project. Um, and that gives you a whole set of interfaces that you can use uh, to integrate with the core. Um, so you'll, you'll initially, you'll create a class called burp extender and burp starts off by uh, saying uh, register extension um, and you can put in here all the code to start your extension um, so the sorts of things that you might want to do and um, if you wanted to do a custom check you can implement the Scan check interface um, and when you do that every time burp's um, scanning a request It'll go through all the internal checks, um, and then when it's done all the internal ones, it'll call each extension. It'll say, do active scan, do active scan. And that's where you can put your own code. Um, so you can, uh, you can analyze the request, and there's all sorts of help methods that will let you pick out different kinds of parameters, identify key features of the request. Um, and then you can uh, inject your own payloads send them to the back-end server um, and monitor the responses. And that's, that's just one of the interfaces. Um, there's, there's about uh, 20 or 30 interfaces in total. Um, so one of the things that you do early on when you, you're figuring out what you want your extension to do is you think about what interfaces you want to handle. Um, I mean, I mentioned the uh, fast infsat tester earlier, and I said about how, um, when it sees this um, fast infsat boundary XML coming into the, how it will translate it to regular XML, um, and it it hooks uh, two interfaces to do this. Um, it hooks iHTTP listener. Um, And that interface, that sits between Burp and the back-end server. Um, So all the communication from Burp to the server happens there. Um, And it also hooks uh, another interface called iProxyListener. And that sits between Burp and the client. Um, And between the two, um, it can allow um, the core Burp to function on xml messages while both the client that's at the end of the proxy end of it and the server uh, see the fast info set xml um yeah and there are are a bunch of other ways they can work too
0: okay and you mentioned that um your first step is putting it up on github is is github the only one that you guys support or can it be up on bitbucket i mean i know some people uh the recent news freaked out a little bit about uh, microsoft acquiring github so is there support for other code repositories
1: so, so right now there isn't um, i mean if if you if someone sends us a bitbucket link i guess we could work with it but the very first thing we do is we we create a github repository and push the code onto there and <laughs> at, the, at the time we did this the um, the, acqui- the acquisition didn't didn't seem in sight and it was um, at that time github was kind of like the utopia for open source projects and yeah. um, i think this this is going to be something that um, we'll have to revisit in the coming months right um, and and um, and I mean, so so far, Microsoft seems to have shown a great support for GitHub users and a Mm -hmm. a genuine uh, commitment to open source. But yeah, there might be some merit in kind of um, you know providing other options.
0: Yeah, I I didn't really see much of a an issue with it, but I know I know some people were a little upset about it. But I'm I'm sure as usual it'll kind of even out.
1: Yeah, I mean. It's something I, th- I think we should really celebrate about GitHub. I mean, I, do, I think what they've done done's fantastic, and to, to to finish off with a as I it, seven point five billion sale, I think is a it's a real credit to their team <laughs> the work they've done.
0: Yeah, yep. Uh, so okay, so what are your recommendations for submitting to the Burp Store? You've kind of talked about uh, or the BAP Store, the the making sure it's secure, so you don't put your, you know you don't put other Burp users that at risk of uh you know xxe or xml injection or or you know whatever else uh can happen what, what are some of your other recommendations
1: well and um, you definitely want to make sure your extension is secure that, 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 I'm, I'm glad you underlined that one um, when i was hired at portsmoke one of the things i was tasked with was to improve the quality of the Backstore, um, and over the first few months, I was I was trying to figure out, you know, what is it that makes a back good? What are our, our key requirements? Uh, and I actually produced a blog earlier this year. It's called Your Recipe for Backstore Success. And in this, I I run over um, eleven key things that a back should do. And. Um, I'll, ju- I'll just run through those quickly and if there's, if there's any of these that are particularly interesting to you, just, just pick them up, I'll happily um, explain some more about them. Okay. And um, so perform a novel function, have a clear descriptive name, operate securely, include all dependencies, use threads to maintain responsiveness,
0: Okay, so yeah, let's, let's uh, dive into that one a little bit. Right, now,
1: it, you may have experienced this sometimes um, when, you, when you're using an app that you, you click on a button and the whole application freezes. And you're there for a few seconds with this kind of grayed out button and you, you're not quite sure if your application is completely given up um, or what. Now, um, Swing, which is the Java GUI toolkit that Bert uses, Swing itself is single threaded. Um, so you have to be very careful. Um, whenever you get a UI event like a button click or a menu select, if you do a lot of time consuming work in the event handler, then that will lock. The whole UI. Um, and what, what we found actually is a, a few bats when they're first submitted are, are quite guilty of this. So you'll, you'll click something and the whole of Burke will freeze and then finally the server will respond and the Burke will unlock. Um, now it doesn't have to freeze. It, if you um, have a worker thread, so that you take your UI event, take all the information from that you need, like the target URL, um, and then you pass that to the worker thread. The Swing UI can continue, and it, in a separate worker thread, you can do all your, your head CPU intensive work or your network requests. Um, and there are a few other subtleties to getting threads right, but the the really important thing is to not lock up the UI because that's a terrible user experience.
0: Right. Yeah, it make may getting your uh, your extension uninstalled pretty quickly.
1: Yeah. Yeah. For sure. And um, another one um, we've found, and in fact, I'm jumping around my list a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, is Coping with large projects is important. Um, I found most pen testers tend not to work with large projects because each project will be for testing one site, and, you know, maybe they'll be assigned to this for two, three, four days, and they'll build up a medium-sized project, but not not something too big. Um, But some of the other people we work with, uh, bounty hunters in particular, will have absolutely ginormous project panels, like 40 gigabytes right. or more. Um, and, th- and I've found there have been a few BAPs that maybe on startup that will go through the whole proxy history, which is fine if you have this pen who works on a project for two or three days. But if a, if a bounty hunter picks that up, when they load your extension, it means you try to process forty gigabytes of data and you're sat there looking at a spinner until it's done.
0: Yeah. Yeah, we, we yeah, we actually work with large projects ourselves too. And yeah, it's been it's something that you kinda have to work around, give it a little more resources.
1: Right. Yeah. Um yeah, if you do notice any batch that are um Particularly guilty of that, drop us a line. We can, um, <laughs> we can to... put a bit of pressure on the author.
0: Okay, good, good to know. Yeah. Okay.
1: So, so um, another thing I mentioned was to unload cleanly, um, to use the BERT networking stack, um, to support offline working, and um, provide a parent for GUI elements. And um, to use the extender API artifacts.
0: Yeah, so uh, let's go back and jump into Unload Cleanly. Sorry, I was writing some notes down. So um, Unload Cleanly, I guess that's kind of just Burp has, let's see, Burp's resources like iTab or iContext Manufact- Factory are released automatically, but there's other things that if they're called, they also need to be released. It,
1: exactly. And the, the classic thing, uh, is background threads and um, so there's 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 a whole bunch of um perhaps that spin up background threads um, like smart Buster is a good example so you know as you start browsing it will start in the background firing off tons of network requests now it's pretty important for a user that if they unload the extension that all that activity stops um, but we can't um Burp itself um, can't kill those threads, so what an extension needs to do is implement the uh, I extension state listener and then you get a callback for extension unloaded and in there um, you can terminate your threads or just to be a little more precise, Java doesn't um, really support you terminating threads. So You'll, you'll normally have an extension-wide flag, which will say, like, shutting down. Um, and all the background threads, um, as they're, like, spinning through a loop with a work queue, they should check this flag so that um, when it's set in the extension unloaded event, um, in the next second or two, the thread shut down.
0: And then you had a uh, use Burp networking, which is to make an HTTP request instead of using the library like Java.Net.URL.
1: Yeah, that's right. Um, there's actually quite a lot of smarts in the Burp networking stack because you've got things like upstream proxy, client SSL certificates, uh, platform authentication, um, and quite often when someone's doing a pen test, they'll put a bit of time in to get all this set up correctly. Um, and if an extension uses the BERT networking stack, they get all of that automatically. Uh, the other thing is uh, there's there's some logging extensions. Logger Plus Plus is a is a popular one. Um, and you know, pen testers want to feel and control of the traffic that their tools are sending. Um, and if you use um Java's URL class directly, you're not going to go through extensions like Logger Plus Plus. And um, so it's not going to be logged. And, you know, it's, sometimes people might complain that this, this extension's get, gone a bit rogue sending so traffic that it shouldn't.
0: Okay. And then uh, let's see, provide a parent for GUI elements.
1: Yeah. Um, so quite often you'll want to do um, a pop up. Like, a Java a message box or create a dial to ask for a bit of information? Um, now, in Swing, there's, there, there's a field here where it, where it asks for the parent window. Um, and it, it will actually allow you to say no, um, which is kind of the quick and easy option. The problem with that, though, is if someone's got multiple monitors, they can get the pop-up on the wrong monitor. And that's a bit jarring. Um, so, so what you want to do is find the main birth frame and then pass that as the uh, parent element and that will mean that all the, the dialogues work as they should
0: okay and then finally ahead here with the uh, use the extender API artifact
1: oh yeah now this is something that's um, relatively new um, and, and it lets you take advantage of the Cool dependency management features that are in um, Maven Gradle, which are the uh, better Java build tools. And The old way of getting the Burp API um, was that there was a there's a button within Burp where you can export all these Java files and that you dump them in, in your source code. Now that that worked, um, but what's much neater is to add one line to your Gradle file, and then that will automatically include the uh, the Burp API as a dependency and you don't have any of these interface files cluttering up the source code.
0: Okay. Well, that seems to, to be uh, pretty much it then. I mean, I guess it's, it's... I do love that you did 11 instead of, you know, the typical, well, it's got to be 10 or, you know, some other cute number. Um, but you actually did what, what uh, I imagine this is based on experience, which, as you mentioned, is can be found at portswigger.net forward slash blog forward slash your dash recipe dash for dash bap do at dash store dash success that will be in the show notes um well it's is- a mouthful when you put it like that yeah yeah, yeah yeah um is there anything else you'd like to mention that we haven't already discussed
1: well um s- some of the backs there are really cool um if you have a look at the backslash powered scanner that um, that's that's written by a colleague, um, and this this takes a slightly different approach to scanning, and it's something that, that may well in future uh, be implemented in the Bert scanner, um, but but you can you can run it now and uh, find find some interesting behaviours of in actually testing. Um, there's something another colleague of mine's just done is um, hackability, um, and this is something that will, that can help you determine what javascript api's and other features um, are available um, in, a, in a particular html renderer and um, so for instance i mean we, we would try this out on smart tv here to see um, exactly what features like svg and iframes and things like that it supports are
0: there times where an extension will get incorporated into the into the main um, into burp
1: mm. Yeah, um, I, I mean a couple on my mind that um, are going to ha- I think are going to happen relatively soon is um, Logger Plus uh, Plus is is very popular. I think that should be a core feature. Uh, another one is a uh, JSON Beautifier. Um, oh, I mean yeah. JSON is so widespread. Now. Yep, um, it should be a core feature. Um, th- th- there have been others in the past. I'm just struggling to think of an example. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, it's happened in the past, it's happened in the future. Sometimes I think it's a little sad for an extension author that they've had a really popular extension that it disappear. But I mean really, it's the, it's the ultimate validation that your extension is, is useful.
0: Right. Yeah, that's something you can put on a resume. <laughs> yeah. All right, cool, Paul. Well, um, thank you for joining me to discuss how to make a burp extension.
1: Hey, well, thank, well thanks for having us it was, it was good to speak, to speak with you.